I see they're already leaving. Children's worship. I don't know, I'm pretty, I, I did once in a while. Let's pray together this morning. Father God, that's the song of our heart today. Uh, right now, in this moment, Lord, that you would capture us with your grace, that you would draw us behind you, Lord. Uh, we say words like, we will follow you. And I pray, Lord, today that not by our power, because uh, so much of my story with you, Jesus, is not what I've done for you or the choices I've made for you, but the ones you've made for me. Pray today, Lord, by the power of your spirit, we would follow you. I pray today, Lord, by the power of your spirit, our hearts would be open to a word from you. I give you all praise, and as does uh, everyone gathered here in your name today, in the name that led us to truth, in the name of Jesus, amen. How you guys doing today? Good. Good deal. Me too. Um, I want to start, I try to start every Sunday talking a little bit about what's been going on, but the snow is crazy. Did you all enjoy the snow? Yeah, I enjoyed the snow. We, uh, we did, you did any sledding? Anybody do any sledding? Yeah? Yeah. Hey, let me tell you, biggest loser, you lose if you're sledding, <laughs> because the biggest, the biggest gainer, fastest sledder, that's what I'm talking about. That is the one time I can say for sure I was screaming down the hill last night with my kids and we were racing and we just rocketed right past them. I'm like, yeah, fat people rule. <laughs> uh, I'm just playing. The Biggest Loser stuff here at, at Family has been great. I don't know if you all have been involved with that or not, but it's been an amazing, amazing thing. Um, so I just want to throw it out there, the snow and the weather and all this stuff. We've been talking kind of about this, this practical idea of what Jesus looked like to follow. Um, I think sometimes we have these high-minded ideas, these churchy ideas of uh, how the disciples came to follow Jesus or how Jesus even appeared to people or what it looked like or, or how he sounded. And we all kind of read in uh, ourselves into the story, and, uh, which is not a bad thing at all. Uh, I always ask when we look at Scripture together that we would try to figure out who we are in the story. Um, ask that question when you're reading Scripture. Who am I? Who do I identify with in this story? And we're going to read some stories to you today uh, from this Scripture. we read them together. I want to uh, back up a second, though, and remind you where we've been on this journey thus far with Jesus. We started out with, with uh, the story of Mary and Joseph, actually the Christmas story, right? This is the same Jesus, the same Jesus on the cross, the same Jesus in the manger, the same Jesus who walks on water, the same Jesus who heals and the, makes the blind to see. This is the same Jesus. We talked about Mary who stored up treasures in her heart when she saw things she did not understand. And, and that gives us permission sometimes if we don't get where God's going, we can just wait, you know? I've been convicted lately of this idea that God has time. Y'all believe that? You know, I think sometimes we get, I get that way. I get so frustrated. I want to do everything right now, right now, God. And, and, and I hear God saying back to me, there's time, you know. I am the beginning and the end. I got time for everything I want to do. And uh, I pray that we rest in that. The treasures of our heart, we can store those up. Talked about the wedding feast and this kind of weirdness of Jesus showing up at this place that, that someone would say, what good can come from this? And yet Jesus is there blessing it and ordaining it, saying this is good. This is what something about the kingdom of God is shared in this idea of union between a man and a woman. Talking about reconciliation earlier, you know, and uh, I, there's this big disconnect that goes on sometimes in families, right? Church is the biggest 
biggest place this happens where you come in and you put the smiles on, you know, and people say, how you doing? And you say the F word, fine, you know, we talk about that. And then and you go home and kick the dog, right? How many of y'all have a fight before we get out of the parking lot at church? Yeah, we have fights before we leave the parking lot. What did you do that for? I don't know what I did that for. Come on, drive. You're, you know, you want to drive? Pull over. I'll drive. Those things. That, my friends, is the kingdom work right there. Because God has called us first to be in community. If you are following Jesus, Jesus says something about intimacy, about getting each other's lives that matters so much. And you've got to be intentional about that. And you've got to work through that. Long marriages are a blessing and encouragement to me because people do make it. But not the long marriages where the couple doesn't talk to each other anymore because that does nothing for me as, as a role model. The, the, the marriages that have gone a long time and they're still engaged with each other. God says there's something holy about what's going on there. Holy in communion together. I see it with the leadership team, too, how we work these things out, and we don't always agree on things. There's a call to be united, to be drawn together, to seek Jesus. And then last week, we talked about the baptism of Jesus, you know, this, this he did it, the Holy Spirit descended, God was pleased, and his ministry began. And I just want to say to you again, if I can encourage you in any way to respond to that word, do it. Do it. You know, um, it just changed everything for me. And there's lots of things going on there, and I'm not sure who's at work in that act. I know it's a public witness to an inward change of heart, and it's about proclaiming to this body that something's been dip made different in me. But brothers and sisters, something happens deep in your soul when you do that. Because I tell you what, when we say things like, I will follow you, we may not take it seriously, but God takes it very seriously. And that's where the promises come through. And that's where your life starts to change and you get a ministry. What? A ministry of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So today we're going to talk about the calling of the first disciples. It's these same guys that go to the wedding feast and see the first miracle. And they don't seem to know what to make of that miracle. This is coming from the book of Mark. So if you want to turn there with me. Book of Mark, chapter 1. Right after the baptism and temptation. You know what I love about Mark? I, I would encourage you, if you've not read your Bible in a long time, that's okay. You know, uh, you can get one. If you need one, talk to me. We'll get you a Bible. I, I love a, I love an NIV, no commentary. Uh, NIV is easy to read. There's even the message. Somebody told me they love that one even more, you know. Um, but come talk to one of leadership. We'd love to get a Bible in your hands. And I would encourage you to start with this book, the book of Mark. Because if you look through the book of Mark, he just rolls right through stuff. The first thing you'll notice about Mark is he starts when Jesus' ministry starts. You see, he starts with John the Baptist. There's no birth story here. He's not very sentimental about Mary or Joseph. He's telling the story of the Jesus that he came to know, the story of, of the Jesus who was walking amongst us, okay? And he goes right into it, and then he rolls right through the baptism temptation of Jesus, which Luke spends a lot of time on, you know, the whole Satan talking to Jesus and Jesus talking back to Satan and quoting Scripture to each other. You know, they're engaged in this dialogue. But Luke rolls right past it, and he gets to the calling of the first disciples, and that's where we're going to pick up with, the, uh, with, with Luke, uh, Mark today. I'm sorry. So Jesus just comes out of the desert, and this is what Mark says about him. He says, after John was put into prison. Now, I'll just remind you, we read this last week. Do you remember that? Do you remember why John was put into prison? John was proclaiming the broad, the broad path of Jesus, this, this Messiah who's coming. And he says, I'm the guy who's coming to proclaim the kingdom of God is near, is drawing near, and the, the, the anointed one is coming to see us. He's coming here right now. 
But John was afraid of no one. And he spoke against Herod and Herodias, Herod's brother's wife. And when he started calling out the leaders in their sin, it ended, he ended up getting uh, thrown into jail. Okay? And so it starts right there. Mark says, at, when John was put into prison, by the way, the idea of being put into prison is, uh, I'm going to write word down here, so parodidomai is the Greek word. And I only mention that not to impress you with the Greek, but if you study the Greek words of the text, you can see all these connections. You can't see if you just read what the translators wrote for you. Okay? And it's not as hard as you might think to do that. That word put into prison is the same word that happens to Jesus when he's betrayed into the hands of the Romans. It's the same word. And so in, in, you have to start to see these pictures of John's treated the same way that Jesus will be treated. A few weeks ago, we talked about when Jesus quoted this idea that the manager will send his, the, the, the wedding feast, he will send out his people into the field and they will kill them. And he says, and then he will send his son, and they will mistreat and kill him. But the manager will come and demand a reckoning for what has happened. And this, you can't see that except that just see those allusions here to, to John and Jesus. Because I said John and Jesus are like this, right? I mean, they've been cousins and stuff, but there's a big thing happening when Jesus gets baptized. The whole world's going to change on this. Everything's going to pivot on this moment. And so Mark says, after John was put into prison, after he was handed over, betrayed, like Jesus will be. Jesus goes into Galilee, and he proclaims the good news of God. The good news, euangelion, is the word we get from evangelism, okay? Evangelism, I just want to say something to your church, should be good news, all right? And I know sometimes we, we, we're fearful that people are going to hell, and so we preach the good news like bad news, <laughs> you know? But it's good news, and Jesus proclaims the good news, the euangelion of Theos. And here's what he says. Jesus says, the time has come. The time is made full. The cup is running all over the floor. This is the time when, when John is put into prison. This is the time. And he says, the kingdom of God is near. The Bethlehem of God, the rule of God is near. This is not a pie in the sky by and by that Jesus is talking about. He's saying, there is now coming a time when God will rule. Woo. What happened? It's been a long time since that was proclaimed, Jesus. What happened? Jesus says, the kingdom of God is near. <laughs> this idea of near. I thought, what, what do you mean near? Like, is it near like this? Like, I'm near to Chris? The big winner? Is that what it means? It's drawn near. It's gotten close. Jesus is like, you're this close. No. You know what he says? You know what it says right here? He says, the time is near. The cup is running over on the floor, and this is it. The time has drawn to us. That word, it means this. The angle of the arm. <laughs> what? To squeeze to squish. Jesus says, the kingdom of God is drawn near to you. And you're being caught up in the story. This is the good news of Jesus. Repent. Change your mind. Change the way you think and believe. Give some credit 
believe, give some credit to the good news. You know, we love credit in our society, right? We're going to be talking about money in a while, and not money maybe the way you think of money, but money in the way of, we are so encouraged in this country to overspend, to write checks that we can't cash. And this is what he's saying here. He's saying, repent, change your mind, and give some credit to God for this good news. You're going to make a deposit. You know, we trust more in our credit cards. We trust more in a checkbook. We, you know, do you all run the negative numbers in your, in your uh, registry? You know, negative. <laughs> don't shake your head because I know you're like, I don't want to tell people I do that, right? I, talk, I was talking to Chris last month and I said, you know, we should never see those. <laughs> what do you mean? I said, you should never have a negative number there, ever. What, what? Well, I know, but I put a deposit in after. Yeah, that's what he's saying. Give some credit to God here. God writes checks that God cashes. You see, God doesn't run a negative balance. Believe this good word. Believe the good news. Repent. Change your mind, folks. The time has come. The kingdom of God is gathering us up. And as Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, so this is what Jesus is proclaiming to people. And here he goes. He's going to walk along the Sea of Galilee. And he saw Simon and his brother Andrew. And they were casting a net into the lake because they were fishermen. Okay, so this is what they do. They're fishermen. And he's walking along. He's proclaiming the kingdom of God has drawn near to us. Believe the good news. This thing is going to give me trouble. Okay, and then, and then he says, he walks along the Sea of Galilee, and there he sees Simon and Andrew, and they're throwing a net. Why are they, I love the frankness here. Why do they throw nets in the sea? Because they're fishermen. That's what fishermen do. Okay, are you good on that? Why do you drive a truck? That's what truck drivers do. No? Why do you teach students? That's what teachers do. Okay? And that, that's all they're doing. They're just doing what they're supposed to be doing. They're throwing nets into the sea because they were fishermen. Uh, Jesus says, we'll go on and come back in a minute. Jesus says to these guys who are throwing nets in the sea, come follow me, Jesus says, and I will make you fishers of men. And at once they left their nets and they followed him. There's another word I'm going to look at here because um, it says halieas, halieas, halieas is the word, the root word for fishermen. And it's a little bit of a play on words. You know what halieas means? The salty ones. These are some salty dogs, you know what I'm saying? They're salty. Like if you're salty, you know, if you were the wife of a fisherman, you'd probably say shower. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and Jesus comes and he says, the salty ones, come follow me, and I will make you not salty men, but salt for men. Isn't that cool? It's the same word there. It's like a little turn of phrase. And then, I love, this is Mark for you, because Mark wastes no time, because he's getting somewhere with this Jesus guy. And he says, at once they left their nets and they followed him. So that's it. So they're throwing their nets. Jesus says, hey, salty guys, come follow me, and I'll make you salt four guys. And they just drop their stuff and walk away, right? Like that song we sang. I, this world has nothing for me. I will follow you regardless, right? This is what their response is. It says, as he's gone a little farther along, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat. They were preparing their nets, what the text says here. And without delay, he called them. So Jesus says, come on, come on. They left their father Zebedee in the boat. And the hired men and followed him. Well, boy, don't that just beat all. If you're Zebedee and you're standing there fishing with your sons, this Jesus guy walks over and calls these two salty dogs to come be salt for dogs. 
And then you're sitting there with your kids, and he walks along, and he goes, hey, you guys, you come with us too. And they leave their dad in the boat? Come on, dads. You'd be like, this is the Pied Piper, right? Who is this guy? Take my sons, and what's he leave them with? People he's paying to work for him. <laughs> you ever, anybody ever work for a parent? Did you all get your paychecks on time ever when <laughs> you work for a parent? Dad probably thought, I'm going to start paying these guys now, you know? No more free labor. No, I'm kidding. They were, they were coming into the business. They were going to own the business, okay? So I'm not saying they weren't loved by Zebedee. But isn't it interesting how he just says, and this is Mark. Mark just goes, that's it. They walked away too. Because this is Mark's gospel. When Jesus shows up, we all just leave everything behind. I have a hard time with this text. Because so often when we, we think of this good news of Jesus being preached, and we see people, right, who have heard the good news, what happens is um, they just leave everything behind. And, and they, don't, they, don't, they just walk away. I was at Greenville College, and there was another student, a fellow student of mine, and we went out to have lunch with him. He said, Bill, i got to talk to you, man. So, all right, let's talk. And he says, I think God is calling me into ministry. I said, praise God, brother. That's awesome. You're called into ministry, man. That's, that's cool stuff. That's good. He says, yep, all i got to do is divorce my wife first. Divorce your wife? Are you serious? Well, she don't think I'm called, so I just got to do it because God comes first. Whoa, 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 whoa. What? God called you first into a marriage. There's nothing to buy. So I have a hard time with this text because they dropped everything and walked away. Be willing to drop everything and walk away? These are things we're working out in our family. I got to tell you, my fundamental conviction here is God called me first to my wife and my kids. You know? God comes first in my relationship with God, but not my ministry for God. And I pray that if your ministry is getting in the way of your marriage, you need to quit your ministry and work on your marriage. You know what I'm saying? Because God has called us there first. So don't, don't confuse that. Because I have a bad feeling. There's going to be a lot of good Christians who are going to get to heaven and say, Jesus, I did it for you. And he's like, what a mess you've made in my name. Let's don't do that. Let's don't make messes in the name of Jesus. Get rid of that one. I don't need it. All right, here we go. Um, so I started thinking about this idea of Jesus. He shows up and he, he takes ordinary people, right? And he becomes ba 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 da da da. What's today? Super Bowl. Yeah. What what? Giants fan right there. He prayed for that, y'all, so y'all must not be praying very much because he's been praying for years. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Super Bowl, Jesus comes and he says, ordinary people, get on my team. That's what he says. What is going on with this? I don't understand. Can't Jesus do it by himself? We talked about earlier how Jesus is so convicted that there's something in these relationships that's so important to him. He walks out proclaiming the good news of God, and his, his habit is not to then go by himself. And when people, you know, I got to move on now. People, I love you. No, no, you got to oh, stay here. I'm going to go on over here. No, he says, you guys come with me. If you got the salt, come with me. We're going to change the world. And he starts to build a team, a team that nobody expects, a team that people will say later, no good can come from that team. Nothing good can happen from that team. But he builds his team, and he puts people onto you don't expect to get picked for the team. Because if you're a rabbi, you don't usually go finding your best students in the boats, in the lakes, around Galilee. That's not where they come from. They come from the temple. 
They come from the guys who wear the nice clothes, smell good, can't touch dead people. Those are the guys you're looking for, right? So that's one, that's one thing. The next thing I want to talk about is that uh, he takes them from right where they are. You know, I think sometimes we pursue, we come here, right, to meet God. I praise God you're here. I do. Because it edifies me, and not because you're here to listen to me speak. It edifies me more when I'm standing up here worshiping with you. Whew, all these people see it. All these people get it. All these people are drawn here, that's coming near the kingdom of God, and I'm edified. That's what we gather together for, be edified in each other. But you know, you can meet God anywhere. The, the, the truth of the matter is, if you don't, if you don't think, you think God exists only on Sunday mornings, you're sadly mistaken. And all you're doing is missing the Messiah six days a week. That's what you're doing. Let's don't miss it. I pray you'd have eyes to see and ears to hear the gospel of Jesus amongst you. He comes right where they are, and then he calls them to a radical new life. And a radical means, I mean radical, not like radical. I was a kid of the 80s, right? It's a radical new life as in like to the root, right there. He wants to get all, all the stuff that's built up around this worship of God and say, get to the root of it. What are we trying to do? So he calls him to this. I'm going to flip quickly here, I wanna, but I want to do something first. So I brought something because uh, um, I'm not much of a football player and I'm not much of a fisher. So I thought I should bring something to talk about fishing. So I did. I brought my fishing gear. And... Uh, I'll just be helpful to us because we can start to see what it meant when Jesus said, let's fish, you know. So he probably brought out his tackle box and he set it there and moved the monitors around and uh, his pole and, and uh, James and John and Simon and Andrew were probably out there and they had their, their pole and they were fishing for fish, right? And what you got to do when you fish, you, I, I don't know much about it, but I've been told, you know, you put something pretty on the end of it. You see, like that? And then, see, I'm part of the descendants of these guys, so I know how to do this because God's told me so. And then you, you fish. <laughs> Hang on. Well, that's what you do. And then I'm just going to let it go out here. Did you all go fishing as a kid? Uh, I went fishing as a kid with my dad. And you throw it out there, right, Rich? And then you, you wait. Until a guy comes along and gets on the hook. And then you got to set the hook, right? And you, just, you get them hooked in there and you reel them in. That's, that's what they're doing in the boat, you know? When, I got to tell you this funny little story. Like, whenever I was a kid, you see, my dad liked to fish, but I think his, his reason for fishing was going out and sleeping in the boat. And uh, so I was like about eight or nine years old and annoying, I'm sure, as heck in a 13-foot boat. And so he would put a worm on my hook, so he said. And then he would put a bobber on there, and then he would say, now you've got to be patient. And I would sit there and watch <laughs> to catch something. And what I found out later, and Steve reminded me of this week actually, is that in the daytime, you see the fish run up in the top of the water with my hook's hanging out. Turns out, see, Dad didn't want to take fish off for me. He didn't want to have to put a worm on for me. I think there was times he said, okay, it's on, throw it out there, son. And I, I was just throwing, I didn't know what I was doing. You got nothing, no, no bait. And uh, this bobber would never get a bite. This is what much of evangelism has become for the church, by the way. Let's put something pretty on the end of a stick and throw it out there in one spot and watch it. 
And then if you, if you don't think it's good enough to do it that way, then, the, then somebody throws a bobber on it and says, well, now just watch it. And Matt reminded me this week, you can even get those little things that stick in the ground if you fish in the bank. And then you can put a little bell on here and you can go to sleep. <laughs> because the church would love to sleep, right, for evangelism. Because we don't like evangelism because it's hard. So we'll just put it there and just go to nod off a little bit, you know. And we'll wait. And we hear like, ding -a -ling -a -ling. oh, we got one. <laughs> Woo. Right. Man, I went fishing with my wife's grandfather as, a, as an adult, and um, he took us out. He didn't put us on the bobber stuff, and he, he put us on a real, a real kind of a, a hook thing, and we went out, and he put on more weight so we get down to the bottom with our pole. And, and we would get hung up sometimes. We'd break the line, and, and, and I said, you know, I, I, I never liked fishing, Grandpa. He said, well, let me ask you a question. Did you catch fish? I said, No. Well, no wonder you like fishing if you can't catch fish, you know. Fishing's only fun if you're catching fish, right? And uh, I started catching fish. He started showing me some technique. Well, that's all fine and good. I want to read you this story from the book of uh, Luke. And then we're going to talk more about this Jesus, Jesus fishing stuff. Luke's Gospel, chapter 5. Because I think this really illustrates, you know, Mark, again, he hits it so fast and he moves on. We're just going to roll through this, though. This is what it says in chapter 5, verse 1. Same story, by the way, different author. This is Luke, and he's going to tell us about how you, catch, how you catch men. It says, one day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, with the people crowding around him and listening to the word of God. Now, you see, this is a little different story already because Jesus isn't just by himself screaming something about the kingdom of God drawing near. People are listening already. And they're crowding him so much that he's by the water's edge. He's kind of looking like this. He's looking around. And this is what it says. He saw at the water's edge two boats, and they're left there by fishermen. Hmm, who are those guys? Salty dogs. Who were washing their nets because they were done fishing. He got into one of those boats, the one belonging to Simon. So he gets into his boat, and he asks him to put out a little bit because these people are cramping my style, you know. I got to talk to him. We'll get a little, little distance. So he rolls out there was Simon. He sits down in the boat, and he starts to teach the people. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, now, Simon, put out into deep water and let out the nets for a catch. This is the way Jesus fishes. You see, he don't sit on the bank, put something on a hook, and see if it gets a snag. You know, he's much more proactive than that. He's out in the boat. He's not even in the shallow water. He's going out into the deep, deep water with Simon. And he says, throw out your nets for a catch. Well, Simon answers him and he says, Master, we've worked hard all day and we haven't caught anything, or all night, I'm sorry, and we haven't caught anything, but because you say so, I will let down my nets. I just want it right there. If you don't even believe Jesus, try it. And I don't mean to say try Jesus like this, like a trial on a, I don't know what, like a trial membership to a club. I'll try the workout center, and then you go like once. You go, oh, that wasn't any good. I mean, try it, you know? Because Simon just says, if you say so, I'll do it. Because I've been fishing all night, and we haven't caught anything. And when they had done so, right? This is a fish story if there was one, right? A fisherman's tale. And when they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat. Who could that be? To 
come help us, come help us. And they came and they filled both the boats so full with fish that they started to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and he said, get away from me, Lord. I am a sinner. Because, see, fishing like this is safe. I'll tell you why this, we like this fishing. I'll tell you why we like this fishing. Because it's a battle of wills, isn't it? I'm going to get that fish. And as that fish gets off that hook, oh, I'm going to get him. You're trying to get him. And it's me against the fish, one-on-one, mano-a-mano. We're going to battle it out. This is not the way Jesus fishes. Jesus throws out these nets. And when you start fishing with Jesus, you, you get so much stuff in your boat. You go, we're going to sink. But your response is not even fear for your life. It's you collapse at this Jesus guy and you say, I am a sinner. Because you thought you were there to fish. But he's there to change your life. The boats were so full, they started to sink. And when Simon Peter saw this, he fell down at Jesus' knees and he said, Go away from me, Lord, because I am a sinful man. Because he and all the companions were astonished at this catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. You see, it's the same guys. Different story. When Jesus then said to Simon, Don't be afraid, because now on, you're going to catch men. So then they pulled their boats up on shore and they left everything and they followed Jesus. Now you see, that story makes a little more sense, right? Mark just rolls right through there. You have that experience. Well, now you've got a reason to follow Jesus. You know what Mark says? I don't care. Because you don't need a reason. He called them and they went in a story. You need a miracle? Keep waiting. The story of God's mercy is he provides miracles. The, 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 the story of us is that we ignore miracles. We write them off. That would have happened anyway. I'm not saying this about y'all. I'm saying it's about me. This is the way we work. But after this time of repentance, we start to see Jesus' type of fishing. You see, Jesus' type of fishing requires a team. You never fish alone. You're not, it's not me and my boat out in the middle of the lake. But Jesus has big plans, big plans, and big nets. And you ain't big enough to pull in a net that God's going to fill. You understand? The type of evangelism that Jesus is preaching about isn't one-on-one hooking people in, dragging them through the door like this. It's a net. And it's been cast right over top of you. And it sinks in low. Who are you in the story? And it gets drawn up. And there's such a catch that all the disciples have to get together and start to pull that net, drag it in, risk sinking their boats to share in the work. You never fish alone when you fish with Jesus. Jesus goes into the deep water to the place where the fish are because he knows how fish work. And he comes in right there where they are and he catches those salty dogs. And he says, come on, guys, we're going to go do some fishing for men. And he drags them up out of the bottom, out of that darkness, out of that place where the light doesn't get down to. And they're going up in their eyes and they're going, oh, it hurts, it hurts. And he goes, you're coming up with me. Things are different. Leave the darkness behind. And he uses nets, not poles. Because pole fishing's fun, but it's, it's a losing battle. 
And it's a battle of the wills like we talked about. He fishes with nets that kind of just surround you all of a sudden. And you're just there swimming along. And all of a sudden, whoop. You know what I mean? Because that's my story as a Christian. I keep saying that. It's not about something I did. Something was done to me. You see? Now, when I, when I, when I realize something being done to me, I'm like, okay, I get it. I get it. The light. You know, I talked to Warren about the light last night. And I do that thing Peter did. I'm not worthy. And you get drawn up into the boat with Jesus. When you fish with Jesus, and Peter learned this, and we should learn this, church, Jesus guarantees the harvest. But he guarantees the harvest if you're listening to him. If you put your net, or Jesus put your net, you're going to catch fish. You know, this ain't the dad that I, you know, I mean, I'm not picking on my dad either, because I think he just wanted some chill time in the boat. But this ain't the guy who's saying, watch the bobber. It'll come along eventually. He's saying, listen, listen, listen. Push out further into the deep water. Fish, fish where nobody else is fishing. Look at that. See that water over there? Something's happening. That's where the nets need to be, fellas. We row the boat over there. Okay. I'm going to get my pole out. No, 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 no. Throw out a net. Let's let it sink down there and just draw people out of darkness. And the harvest is guaranteed. And Jesus is the kind of fisher that catches and releases, you see. He doesn't destroy life. He ain't looking to eat you, cut off the good stuff and throw everything else away. There's a, refi a refinement in being a Christian, but he's there to restore you, you know. It's a little unfair, but my modern analogy to this is like a conservation person who wants to tag the endangered species. Just drag you up, tag you, check you out. You ever seen those shows where working on those animals that are knocked out and you think, that animal's dead. That animal's dead. Can't even breathe. What's it doing? And they start to work on them. They're, I gotta get this off of them. There's a parasite. Oh, get this. That's good. And then what do they do? Go mount it in the museum for everybody to see. No. <laughs> That's what we do. <laughs> they go out to that lake and they throw it back in the water. And they say, go now and make more. Make more good fish. Swim around at the bottom. If we catch you again, we'll say, hey, that's where you are. Good, we're tracking, we're tracking. We know where you've been. Because Jesus doesn't destroy our life when he saves us, folks, but he makes it whole. And this is fishing with Jesus. I pray that as, as we are called into this walk with Jesus, that we don't think we're renegade dis disciples. Jesus has spoken truth to me, but not to you. And if you disagree with me, that means you're wrong and I'm right, and therefore i got to go this way and you can't go with me. But Jesus has called us as a community to haul some nets. I'm going to ask Matt to come back up. We're going to, we always talk about this, and I just, you know, Steve said, I, I, you know, uh, it's so much easier to be honest, isn't it? It's so much easier to be who we are, where we are. And that's the kind of church that we pray we can be, because that's the kind of healthy fish we need out in the sea, proclaiming the good news of Jesus. And so we talk about what this response time looks like. What does it mean when we say respond to the gospel today? The gospel's good news. It's good news for you. And it means you're being hauled up. You're being caught up in this great story that's way, way bigger than you could ever have imagined. And that's all we want today. We pray for you. And, and if it's God's will, that you would respond to that. If you want to respond, you know, we have some uh, Baptists in here. If you want to respond, coming down front and praying, brother, I, sister, I'd love to pray with you. Uh, I'll be over here praying because I pray every time I preach. Oh, God, forgive me. We want you to think about these things.
You feel that net gathering up around you? Don't be afraid. That's Jesus. Oh, he wants you on the boat. And uh, we're going to do something else. We're going to have a time of reflection here. If you want to come forward and pray, that's awesome. If you want to grab somebody next to you, boy, that would be awesome, wouldn't it? Make someone else feel uncomfortable. Just turn to them and say, I've got to talk to you right now. God honors that. It could change both your lives. I'm sitting next to my wife, though. It's, that's the hardest one of all, right? When I responded to Jesus' call in my life, I walked right past my wife because I didn't want her to get any wind of it. And then, of course, I had to repent later. Sorry, I didn't let you know where I was at. I was afraid. It's where we are. So if you want to turn to that person next to you, and if it's your wife, whew, just turn and pray. It's your husband. Just say, I'd like to pray with you. Let's just pray. After we have a meditative song, a contemplative song, whatever you want to call it, you want to come forward, you can. If you want to pray with your neighbor, you can do that. We're going to worship one more time, sing some praises to God for the mighty harvest, for the amazing fisher who's come and just caught us up. We're going to actually be standing in the back. Are we going to be over here? Yeah. I'm going to be right over there. I'm not going to hang out here at the milk carton anymore, milk, milk cooler. I'm going to be over there. If you want to talk to me, I'd love to talk to you. If you want to talk to some of the leaders, they'd love to talk to you about what we've been talking about here as a church, but we are ready to go do some fishing. So we're praying that you're being drawn into that today.